Welcome to the Connect Podcast, presented by Hastings People, a collection of conversations with people who are doing interesting things in hospitality, retail, FMCG, and any other place we happen to find them. For more information on our guests or Hastings People, please visit our website www.hastingspeople.com.au or email us via info at hastingspeople.com.au. Have you ever done a podcast before? I have not. I've done um, I've done quite a bit of um, uh, TV recently, the Today Show, and the um, oh, right. <laughs> uh, a few a few articles in you know the the Guardian and those sorts of things where they've been recorded, but not but not a podcast. Who what, talk me through the Today Show? What what brought that on? Just to talk about uh, the builds rent? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. right. What, we're, what we've done is quite unique and um, unique for Australia. It's not unique for for the world, but um, yeah. um, the the business that we've um, uh, brought here um, of this institutionalised um, rental um, with you know uh, customised service and you know buildings built just for renters is uh, is something new for Australia that they've never been able to. Um, really get to take off in yeah. uh, in Australia, um, and so we've been uh, we've been the pioneers at Mervac. We've been working on it for about five years, and uh, it's it's created a you know we've gotten a lot of attention. Obviously, you know the pandemic didn't help with getting some coverage, um, but you know shows like Today and the News and. Um, coinciding with some tax reforms in New South Wales, as well as um, some uh, new development uh, uh, requirements um, or loosening of um, development requirements for this particular sector, have really driven the the opportunity and the interest from the media. Um, you know, we we've, we we take the approach that. Um, people are going to rent unless someone invents something other than renting. It's yeah. it's, it's a good business to be in. Um, yeah. uh, where, whereas whereas uh, build for rent, uh, sorry, whereas um, selling apartments uh, fluctuates and is seasonal and is driven by uh, property demand and pricing and all types of um, economic factors, um, build to rent um, is is kind of that stable uh, defensive. Um, uh, type of investment that that a lot of institutions want to get into in Australia, and and some of the the equalisation of taxes and uh, and development uh, um, uh, rules around development have really helped us get this up and uh, um, uh, and and you'll see it grow very very fast now in Australia. In fact, I saw they're predicting the next five to ten years. Yeah, right. And um, what was it purely the challenges or the changes relating to development um, that were prohibiting it from being successful prior to this iteration? Is that what the hurdle was? Yeah. So if if you're a property developer, you would go and uh, say, okay, am I going to – Build a building and uh, sell off the units and get that um, that hit of revenue and uh, those returns in one go. 
And um, that's that's always been the more attractive case in Australia. What Build to Rent does is the, the developer would then need to ma- um, retain ownership or, or sell the ownership to an organisation um, and then operate it. So you need a, a management platform similar to a hotel. You've got uh, on-site team members, you've got maintenance, you've got services, you've got leasing, you've got marketing. Um, so it's quite an expensive prospect to set up a, an operating team for one property. Yeah. And so the only way to get this really going is to invest many millions of dollars over a long period of time to set up the platform, the technology, the all of those factors that uh, um, uh, that, uh, that that go into um, build to rent. And then um, you, you, you essentially, with all that investment, then you have to grow a platform and a, a, a portfolio as quickly as possible. You're really only profitable um, if you do this correctly um, once, once you're, say, over a couple of thousand apartments in operation. So the commitment that Mervac have given to this over the last five years of not generating any revenue of investing in this has has been impressive and and a great commitment by by the company. Um, but now um, at this particular time, we've opened our first property and it's leasing up. It's coming out of the pandemic, which is amazing. Um, uh, we've got a great property and community manager who you know, uh, mm-hmm. Gavra there, and uh, and. Uh, we we've we seem to have come out of this um, actually really well um, because of the um, because you know of the uncertainty people are interested in renting their you know the the house uh, purchases in the medium uh, end of uh, apartments are not are not um, buy, the people aren't buying um, so there's. Uh, it, it, it just you know the stars have aligned for this part of the business and uh, and uh, we we have launched it very very successfully and now we want to grow that pipeline now we've proven it with a seed case um, now we want to uh, grow this pipeline and 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 grow the portfolio and start to pay back some of the money we've spent mm. on uh, developing this platform. So we just spoke about the pandemic a bit. Um, so, am I hearing you correctly that that's been it's been good for you? Effectively, it's set up conditions that are that will support, um, I guess, the opening of your first property and then probably many more. Yeah, it's it hasn't been necessarily bad for us, but, <laughs> uh, but I, I wouldn't say it's been good because it has presented some unique challenges. We launched our leasing, our marketing during a pandemic, which meant it was. Uh, uh, we we had to figure out how to overcome some of the challenges of getting noticed, of wondering whether anyone would want to rent um, right. at that time. We also uh, opened a property, at, you know, the, our first property is at Sydney Olympic Park, and that's a uh, a fairly steady area. It's got a lot of white collar, young family type. Uh, customers out there. Um, our second project is in the middle of Melbourne at the Queen Victoria Markets. And I mean, I, I don't think I need to over-explain the, what it would be like if we were opening that one <laughs> during a pandemic. So, <laughs> yeah. so, yeah. so we, we were very fortunate. I had actually um, it, it, 
thought for a long time, gee, it would be nice to have a, an, an inner city location for our first one to cut, to open with a big bang and to get noticed. But I, I uh, can't believe how lucky we are to have had it at Sydney Olympic Park because it's been um, it's been out of the way of all the um, the shutdowns. It's not Melbourne, which um, mm. which and they've been very unfortunate down there. Um, but you, but you would never have predicted that, and we would. I don't think we would have leased ten units at this point um, if 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 that was the case. So so you know sometimes the stars align and sometimes they don't. But uh, but this is this is work for us. Um, we open our uh, the, uh, our first property in Melbourne in two years, and what we hope is that you know everything's back to normal, population growth's back yeah. up, and you know it, the, the fundamentals for having a project in Melbourne are um, amazing. Mm. Um, but uh, but obviously this year has thrown a spanner in the work, so so we're we're hopeful that it comes back to its to its previous uh, strengths uh, by the end of this. Um, we'll come back around on the actual um, the consistencies on well, between with hotels and build to rent because obviously that's yep. been something that's been pretty prevalent and obviously in your career which we'll talk about you came up through hotels so um, it's probably yep. no wonder you, you are where you are um, <laughs> when you talk about target market relevant to the specific businesses that you're opening or the sites. Is there consistency there in terms of are you looking to build a brand that sits at the same level no matter where it is um, and in the same way that a hotel would sit at five-star and they have consistency and brand standards across those properties? So, so I, I believe very strongly in brand standards and uh, a business model that, that suits the um, what you're trying to achieve. Um, one of the... I think the advantages of what we're doing here is we can have one brand, but when I think about who our customer is, and I'm not talking the demographic, but let's say the the um, uh, the, the financial situation of our customer, we really aim for not the top twenty percent, not the bottom twenty percent um, of of affordability. We want to be in the middle sixty percent. And the advantage there in housing is you've got um, student housing, which has a very short lifespan of, you know, 1.2, 1.5 years for each customer. Um, And it's a very specific cohort that uh, Mm. live in live in student housing um co-living has a has a you know a, an expiry date because you know once you have once you get you have a partner or have a family you you no longer can live there so um so so build to rent is really anyone from 20 to you know 80 um i would say very comfortably can live in build to rent so we've really opened up not only the age demographic, but also the financial demographic. It, it is standard rentals. We're not trying to be uh, top uh, high end. We're not trying to be top of the top of the market. We're not trying to be the most expensive. We consider ourselves market um, for the value you get living in the properties. But um, but uh, we 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 are open, you know, to to all 
forms of uh, all types of people and really to create a community and this is what i what i've um found in the past was is you've got to have all different types of people you've got to have different age groups different backgrounds yeah. different religions different you know mm. um it, all types of people make a community it's like um the the traditional village or tribe um that you have you've got to you've got to have uh, various types of people one of the uh, uh, things I like to um, think about is, uh, um, you know, the ultimate the, the ultimate goal for me would be you've got a, a you know a downsizer couple who live in the live in a property, and then you've got a young couple who have just had a baby or, or have a young kid. Um, the old couple have no interest in going out to a restaurant and a bar on a Saturday night, and they can babysit. The, uh, <laughs> yeah. the the kid on date night, and that that's such a nice thought to to do that. And we we just had our welcome party for our uh, first residents, and uh, and from that, um, I, I spoke to a couple of them after uh, a few days after, and uh, they told me they had found a babysitter living in the building. So we almost got they weren't downsizers, but they uh, they found a babysitter living in the same building. So that's. That to me is the is the ultimate goal. Those types of relationships where you do build community, we're there to support and facilitate it. But the um, it, it, it's just really lovely to to see residents um, connecting with each other and and using each other's skills or time to benefit. Mm. It, it, and it's probably a good point to talk about the facilities that you've made available because in a lot of instances it feels essentially like a hotel but the guests just don't leave, right? Like they're, yeah. they're kind of are there with you every day. So the ability to get to know one another and interact and have that sense of community um, is probably yeah. amplified. But you've got some pretty interesting um, facilities, right? Like you've mm-hmm. things like co-working, yeah. even like, dog washing facilities that you just wouldn't see in a traditional residential yeah, environment. I mean, and and you and you think, you know, going back to the COVID um position, you you think about a lot of people have needed to work from home um, um over the last six months and we've essentially opened up an apartment building with um a, with the ability to work at home but not in your not on your kitchen bench. Um and and that was that was um, uh, by design, but not by design at this level. So we're, in our marketing messages, we actually switched it from co-working to work from home space because it really resonated with our with our with people in general. Yeah. So everyone knows what working from home means now um, uh, because uh, it, you know the world has changed um, in mm. that way. So we have uh, yeah the dog wash we've got a lot of open space we've got barbecues we've got a, a gym a yoga studio with uh, fitness on demand we've got um uh, barbecue facilities uh sorry we've said that uh, entertainment facilities you can book a birthday party there there's a large balcony it's it's uh, there's a media room where you can do gaming and cinema there's a kids playroom with one of those interactive um uh, games machines. It, it's it's just it's really really nice. And this is this is really the the first of many. And mm. really, I would say one point oh. Once we right. open the you know the next one, there there are two levels of facilities. It's uh, got wellness centres. We've got um, 
uh, dog parks, we've got Zen gardens, we've got uh, open air cinema, we've got uh, amazing facilities that we're building in our future uh, properties as well. So what would differentiate this property to another property um, taking out, you know, I guess out of consideration the different ownership structures that might sit behind a traditional development? Yep. Is there different functionality that you would enable, enable a tenant um, to undertake actually inside their premises, outside of the facilities? Like there's a point of difference there, right? Yeah. So so for, I'll, I'll go from the start. So for, the first thing is uh, um, I've purposely not hired real estate agents um, yeah. because I uh, because that's a system. Now um, all the, the entire team are all, now qualified to be real estate agents because that's that's the laws. We don't have specific laws for this um, this brand new sector, but um, I didn't hire anyone with any real estate experience. I hired hospitality people, co-working mm. people, and student housing people. So um, we uh, we 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 went in and we thought, okay, what, what's our number one thing? And it's the customer, it's the experience, and what what they what they're going to want. Um, the the second thing is when when you're um, contacted by uh, the team and you make an inquiry, you're dealing with someone who owns you and owns your piece of business and will take you around, spend a couple of hours, two, three, four, I've seen up to four hours on a tour where people have been going through the building trying to find the right apartment and they will, it's a one-on-one, it's always a private tour you get taken around to find the right apartment for you. It's very easy to spend a long time when you've got 300 apartments available, Um, but it's not a open the door and walk past the real estate agent as you walk through. You actually get that private tour and we have people on site seven days a week to do that. Um, Then the the move-in experience includes uh, you have a move-in coordinator who on the day you're moving in, and I'm not sure whether you've moved recently, Luke, but uh, it's not a fun day. And so we've (laughs) we've, we've thought, okay, what's going to make it a little bit easier? And we've allocated a couple of our team members uh, to be moving coordinators who – They've, you know, the, the people moving in have their mobile phone numbers. The removalists have their mobile phone numbers. They are there to hand the keys, make sure the doors open, make sure the removalists know where they're going, make sure everything runs smoothly. When you walk in the door, there's a, uh, um, a who gives a crap um, partnership um, paper towels and toilet paper and all of those sorts of things with a welcome card from the person who leased to you. So um, that's the moving experience. And then when you move in, you can paint your walls, you can put up pictures, you can um, hang furniture, you can do all of those things because it's your apartment. You're not living in someone else's um, uh, investment property. It, yeah, right. it is a, a property designed and built for renters uh, with no intention to strata it off and do all those things. Our, our job now that we have people living there is to get them to live there as long as possible, which means we need customer satisfaction. Like a like a hotel, it's about the return customer. Our return customer is someone who renews their lease. Um, it, it's, it, there's, there's synergies across both. Yeah, right. Um, yeah, right. That's interesting. So how's it playing out right now? Because you, you are a couple of months in. Like when, when did your first tenant uh, enter? What, when would it, that have been? It, 
about a month and a day ago on the first of oh, right. uh, <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> on the first of September uh, we had I think we had about 14 move-ins um, and and again I mean 14 move-ins um, would typically be a challenge for a building and you'd be booking in times you'd be relying yeah. on people we were able to do it very smoothly so we've uh, We've uh, we've leased about uh, almost twenty five percent of the building. We've yep. uh, moved in about twenty uh, percent of the building. It's it's um, it's we're we're right on track where where we hoped we'd be. We didn't expect to be here, but we hoped we'd be. And yep. uh, and uh, you know if you go on to uh, I don't want to tempt fate here, but if you go on to Google reviews, the, the feedback has been re- we've got cheerleaders living there, and this is partly because these are the first residents, but also because we've we've continued to exceed expectations. We've added things like um, after they've moved in, we've given them a uh, we've partnered with a, a paint company called Tint, and uh, we've given them a. Uh, a, uh, a piece of technology that they provided, and they can pick any colour they want. Um, uh, let us know or, or, or order it. We'll we'll pay for the paint, and we will paint their feature wall. And that that oh. was something we came up with very late in the piece because we thought, no, we really want to prove to these people that it's their apartment. That it's one more question before we get on to <laughs> you, but um, you mentioned the competition and then you guys being the first to market here. Mm-hmm. How how um, how competitive do you think it is going to be in sort of five years' time? Do you see some of your concept sort of very actively um, pursuing this this path as well? Yeah. So so at the moment we um, we all talk within this sector. So traditional right. um, competitors. Um, you know the Len Lee, Scrocon, um, uh, Salter, Sentinel. All, all of those are a, a traditional uh, competition. They, mm. we are all great, great friends because we want to establish this sector. Um, right. It also helps that you know a lot of the people who work at Len Lee and Mervac have worked at both, and same with Stockland. You know they move around in similar circles. Um, but um, I think the um, I think it's going to be probably ten years before we're competitive. I ha- I have a relationship with the, you know, my equivalent at uh, at Grocon and at a, another company called Assemble, and um, I'll I, as soon as they hire a head of operations, I, I plan to reach out to them and ask them what they need and you know how I can help, having gone through some of the challenges that they that they are so. Um, I, I think it will be a, a long time before we're genuinely competitors. That right. is on the operational side. On the land side, where we're trying to find new business and developments, it's uh, just as brutal as ever. You know, it's us <laughs> yeah. against them. So, yeah. So it's uh, so, but I, but I sit on the operations side, so I can be you know friendly, and it'll be <laughs> yeah. a long. It, it'll be a long time before. Um, before I, I, you know, I'm I'm uh, I'm hiding my marketing plans from you know one of the other uh, companies because it's I want them to do well because the better they do, the better service they give, the better experience they give, the more people accept that this is another way of uh, of living. 
Yeah, right. It's a uh, it's a very very good approach. Unfortunately, one that not every um, sector would undertake, but it would be great if they did. Um, I, I, but- I actually learnt that from you know in, in when I worked in hotels, the the whole competitor set, and I, I did night audit for about six months, um, mm. a very long time ago. I think I think it was uh, in Melbourne where I was doing it, and um, I every morning. Uh, this was back in the day when you would call the other hotels to get their occupancies and their average prices. <laughs> yeah, and right. Share that before technology did it. Um, yeah. We would do that. So we knew all the other night auditors and those sorts of things. And I, I just always thought, well, this is this is healthy competition. You know, you can, you can do it like this. And it just seems so much better. And I also found in the US that they're a lot more open to sharing information than we typically are over here. Yeah, right. And I guess that brings us nicely to the next part, which is so there's two main reasons for why we have these conversations. We, you know, through our work, as you would imagine, and this is evidence of it, we get to speak to people who do some pretty interesting things. And obviously, being first to market, um, your build to rent model is, is clearly a really interesting proposition. But the other part is, I guess, illustrating where we, we grew up in hospitality, most of our people in our business. Um, so taking an opportunity to illustrate uh, some of the ways that you can grow a career mm. starting from hospitality because there is a, you know, bit of, of, of late and it's not necessarily just of late but over the last sort of 10, 15 years, um, numbers of people entering, entering the sector is pretty slim. Um, so by shining a light, I guess, on some of the careers that you can generate through hospitality, and you've ended up in a, in a fairly different place, although obviously linked. Um, but you, I mean, you started in hotels, right? That's that, yeah. yeah, like a fairly yeah. junior sort of level when you when you entered it. Yeah. So, so I was making some notes in preparation of uh, what I've done, and I and I had to go quite far back. But I I started um, uh, working while I was studying in the Backpackers um, yeah. in Melbourne. And uh, then I joined the kitchens and worked overnight at the Hilton uh, on the park, which yeah, right. I think is now a Pullman. Um, yeah. And and really, um, I lost a lot of weight back then because it was so hot and the work was so hard, and it it, it was great fun and it was good camaraderie. But but I, I really I was there. Um, uh, not in the uh, necessarily in a customer facing role, but uh, but definitely got addicted to the service industry uh, yeah. very early on. While whilst it was a part time um, job, um, I then went and worked at the Sheraton uh, South Bank, um, which uh, is now the Langham. Um, mm-hmm. And it's quite it's quite funny that's that's the uh, Mervax hotel of choice when we're down in Melbourne. So yeah, I right. I've stayed there many 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 times now uh, over the last few years, and uh, there's still some of the same people there from when I was there, you know, t- um, twenty years ago. So yeah, right. it, it's funny how you know you 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 you, uh, you kind of come around to come back to things like that and uh, and realize that. Uh, um, there are staples. It doesn't matter what brand a hotel is. It, it you know, the the it's the people that make it. Um, mm. When you see it, when you see that, um, I uh, joined um, Toga Hospitality, which I think is uh, TFE now. Yeah. Um, uh, when they opened their first property and was part of the pre-opening team, um, 
uh, their first property in Melbourne, sorry. Um, right. their, their, uh, it was part of their pre-opening team for Medina Ground Melbourne yep. on Queen Street and um, worked there for a few years and then um, got transferred up to Sydney where I opened uh, as part of the opening team for Medina Central. And I think every, everything's changed names, uh, I've noticed. Uh, it's now Adina, but it was Medina in my day. Um, and... Uh, opened the Medina in Chippendale um, uh, and uh, eventually went to uh, open and and be part of the uh, new brand, which, which was Vibe Hotels, um, yep. and opened Vibe Hotel Sydney, which was the old Southern Cross, and was loving life, really enjoying it, had a, had a you know, really good lifestyle, a very single lifestyle, and um, really enjoyed that. And then um, a, a headhunter called me and said, uh, do you want to try something a bit left field? Um, and I said, uh, no. And so he, <laughs> yeah. called, he called me back. Um, uh, he called me back. That happens a, a lot, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, and uh, I, a year later, I said, um, uh, he called me back and said, "Do you want to try something left field now?" And I said, "Yes, let's let's hear about it." And it was um, student housing and yeah, right. uh, working with uh, campus living villages. Um, I ran the properties in um, uh, at Macquarie University in Western Sydney. I opened and operated a property over in Perth um, yeah. at either Edith Cowan University, and it was always, you know, it, back then campus living villages made a point of hiring um, hotel general managers to run their properties because they, uh, we can, you know, run a PNL. We know how to budget. We know how to time manage. Know how to organise project manage. Um, and and really, you take the food and beverage out of it, and it's actually really simple. Don't I don't mm. want to tell everyone that, but it's actually, you know, it's not as stressful <laughs> as, <laughs> uh, as uh, running a hotel. Um, and so I went and did that, and and um, they transferred me over to the US, where I lived in Philadelphia for a couple of years, and. Uh, I was operating nine thousand, ten thousand uh, uh, room. Uh, portfolios over there, all over the country. Mm. Um, they said, uh, we're ready to send you back to Australia. And I said, well, I'm enjoying it too much over here. So I joined a company out of Chicago, which was a uh, developer, and they uh, we built a brand new uh, student housing and multifamily build-to-rent platform with them, which is where I had my first um, experience with uh, build-to-rent. Um, we were opening, you know, uh, up to 12 properties a year, uh, wow. brand new Greenfield sites. It was very, very hard work. And, uh, after three years I was burning out, uh, a little bit. So I bet I, uh, yeah, I, I joined a, uh, but, but it learned a lot, uh, yeah. learned a lot, which is, which kind of makes me reflect while I think of it, um, on I've been in um, I've been back in Australia now for two and a half to three years, and I've opened one property <laughs> in that time. And I think, wow, that seems as as hard in the last two and a half <laughs> yes. years to open one property as it was to open uh, twelve in a year. So.
experience in the States, I thought, you know, um, would be really good to elaborate on. Um, <clears> it is, you know, a number of people I've worked with, and including myself, obviously I've worked with myself before, just so you know. Um, yeah. Getting over <laughs> to the States and doing some, yeah, getting over to the States for work has been, you know, pretty high on the, on the agenda. Um, mm-hmm. What were some of the takeaways you had from that experience? Like you mentioned you opened 12 in a year. Is that, yeah. is that a product of the size of the economy, the speed at which they move, just the, the, the hunger that they have, you know, quite different to the, maybe the speed that we operate at? Um, yeah, I, yeah, I think it's um, driven by, obviously, there's the population, um, yeah. the economy being the biggest in the world um, is very noticeable. So you know you you see the you and unfortunately the it, there's an obvious divide between the poor and the and the well off there and it seems more extreme there than it does here but yeah, the right. the rich the rich are really rich and uh, and uh, uh, the poor are really poor and there's a there's a lot on both sides um, but I, I you know it's a very capitalist. Um, society they they move very quickly they're um they're, they can be pretty brutal but at the same time it's a lot of fun um to be in that um uh to be in that environment i i would recommend working over there to craft customer service and yeah. do all those things the things they've done really well are um, you know the the Disney training, the Ritz Carlton training. They've, I've 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 had some involvement in all of that while I was over there because no matter what, I all you know whether I was in student housing or multifamily, I always drew back on um, customer service from hotels. So you'd see, you know, it's it's the it's what I'm most interested in. Is it doesn't matter if you're a customer of a mechanics or a or a, a student housing property, or or a yeah, build-to-rent property, you're still a customer, and you and the fundamentals are always the same. And you know you're delivering convenience to to someone, you're anticipating expectations, all of those types of things just run across every single industry that I know of. Mm. Um, and and what I found over there was first of all, you know, I've worked with some really great people. Um, but it, it, it's a it's a fun country. You've got so many. We have Sydney, Melbourne, Brisbane, and then you know smaller cities. Um, over there, there are there are so many hubs of um, activity. Um, just just when you think they've got enough technology hubs, you, you know, we we were opening a property in Raleigh, North Carolina, which became the new you know technology hub after um, Denver. And and you just you just watch developers and they're watching where the where the fibers going and all of these sorts of things and then all of a sudden all the young techies and developers move into one location and my last role over there was um, in Seattle or based out mm. of Seattle and that's the home of um, Amazon, Boeing, Starbucks, um, uh, Microsoft and right. it's not a big city. But to have you know, in a, arguably two of the top ten biggest companies in the world based out of there, um, it, it's a, it, it was a very fun city to live in, and you know there was a lot of uh, there was a lot going on. It was also really beautiful. You could ski almost all year round. You you know you could go up to Canada in a couple of hours. It, it it's lifestyle over there, and it's a lot of fun. The 
the only thing is for an Australian, if you if you don't have a green card, is you're always on a visa, which means right. you know you're always a guest <laughs> of their country. So um, it's uh, it it's it was a um, it was a great experience, and I'm really happy that I did it. I wouldn't be doing what I'm doing now if I didn't spend uh, almost seven years over there doing mm. uh, what I did. And uh, so this unique. Um, uh, experience that I've brought back has really set me up, and and as I say, the 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 main the, if I if I were to kind of complain about one of my frustrations in Australia, it's that things don't move very fast. You know, yeah. we 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 don't um, do a lot. I went away for almost seven years. I came back to do one visa renewal while I was away, and um, when I got back, it's, it's generally all I noticed was just more people. It's still the same restaurants, still the same <laughs> bars. It, it no, nothing changed. I've, I've, in fact, my friends treated me like I hadn't even been anywhere, um, and I had to remind them, "Hey, I've you know I've been away for for almost a decade," and they just said, "Yeah, but you're back now," and uh, and and that that was reassuring in a way because it's yeah. nice to feel familiar, but at the same time, I I thought I was pretty special. Coming back, <laughs> nothing changed except just more people. <laughs> yeah, right. You know, it, it's it's fascinating. The uh, Sydney, um, Sydney, which is you know my adopted home um, in Australia. It's uh, it, it, I love I love this city, and uh, the um, you, you, there's still so many familiarities and places I would go now that I went to 20 years ago, and I, I you know it's a lot of. Um, it's a lot of uh, um, uh, fun, but at the same time, I think you know, where's the where's the bullet train to Melbourne and Sydney and, and Brisbane and you know where we if this was if this was China or the US they would have you know done it by now if it made sense. So um, those sorts of things uh, I, I find very frustrating over here is the speed of planning and you know um, organisation and and just the will. Um, and not to say it doesn't go too far sometimes and capitalism goes and, mm. you know, overdevelops and ruins places and, and uh, but, uh, but uh, um, I, w- I wish the really smart initiatives were, um, were picked up much faster here because it, we, we, we were a little bit complacent, I think, in that regard. Yeah. Well, we've only been talking about fast trains between Sydney and Melbourne for probably <laughs> like how long? It's got to be fifteen years. My oh, my, uh, I, I heard um, uh, Japan Rail have had an office here um, since the seventies. They're, they're, <laughs> right. they're, they're, they're ready to tender, <laughs> and uh, you just hear things like that. And, you know, can you can you imagine? I, I travel obviously just the just the one hour, or I did pre COVID. Um, down to Melbourne, but it's a three-hour trip because you've got, you know, customs, you've got that horrendous trip between the airport and um, yeah. the city down there. If you went, It's Georgia a lot better there, now, though. It's like now that they've widened the Tala, it is a yeah. lot better. Yeah, yeah. I, I'll, I'll, yeah, I, I, they still need a train. <laughs> yeah, oh, mate, 100%. <laughs> How's that? I mean, talk about your, your personal impact on COVID, not your personal impact, but you know what I mean. Um, how have you been finding those shifts from being on planes and, like, how, well, how's the business as well, you know, on a, on a day-to-day? Is that putting pressure on or? 
Um, it, it it was a work it was a workaround. You know, Mervac have um, construction teams all over the country um, mm. on sites. Um, they're they're a very um, organised team, and when they were went down to fifty percent people on sites and all of those things, they they were amazing. I, I was right. really impressed. So, I think the pressure on some of it has been supplies, so a lot coming from overseas and delays and those sorts of things. But overall, the building industry and talking to other other um, uh, builders, that they haven't been overly impacted by um, uh, by COVID from a um, continue business as usual point of view. What's um, not happening is there's not new construction starting. The government right. is um, getting um, planning going and uh, and uh, try to uh, stimulate it a bit. But if you if you look at uh, Melbourne and Sydney in the next few years, we've almost got close to no uh, completions of uh, new developments. So if you if you um, uh, if, if you look at um, uh, the build to sell model, so the sales they 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 they're not starting anymore. They're not going. You know the the boom is as uh, well and truly um, s- slowed down, and yeah. uh, new construction you you can't sell off the plan at the moment for apartments uh, enough to get the the bank guarantees to get a project going. So that's driven by demand, not by the pandemic, right? That's driven, but well, um, it's it's driven by demand, yeah. It, it, and it was already um, yeah. a struggle, but this is just over um, emphasized it even more. Yeah, because um, I remember pre, um, it must have been it was even probably six months before um, mm. COVID. I think they were pulling down cranes left, right, and centre. There were reports about you know if you just monitored the number of cranes that were being erected or dismantled you know that's a really good litmus test to just tell you how the, how the market's sort of behaving and um the, the numbers were pretty sc- <laughs> yeah exactly and yeah. the numbers were pretty pretty scary it may have even been 12 yeah. months before I can't, I can't remember exactly mm. but um yeah. after that yeah. boom of um i live in rosebury so mm. um until they changed the name of the suburb to meriton um i think you know that was <laughs> there was certainly a period then where you just couldn't go anywhere with um you know, without yeah. streets and streets of Meriton hoarding. Um, oh, there, there's yeah. I, I mean, I I left uh, I left Australia pre Meriton's boom, and came back, and there's entire suburbs of uh, Meriton's like Mascot and and all. Pagewood, um, Pagewood's next, yeah. I think, like down yeah, in the East, yeah. East Gardens shopping yeah. centre. So, yeah. but yeah, that yeah. seems all, all slowed up. Yeah, well, it, it and and that's you know selling off the plan. It's it's tough, um, as you as you said. Um, demand has uh, been stagnant uh, for a while, and um, you need to um, you know pre-sell fifty or sixty percent of um, the uh, apartments in a in a development before you can get financing to go ahead. Uh, no matter no matter who you are. Um, so it's uh, it, it, it that's that's really slowed it down. One of the advantages, one of the other advantages, build to rent has is we are um, as soon as we get planning through, we can start the next day. Um, so we we don't have to pre-sell because we buy the entire um, construction. So um, it's 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 um, attractive to government as well. 
mm, to, uh, to to deliver jobs and you know um, housing. Well, mate, um, I'm conscious, obviously, you got um, a, a really nice lunch to get to in a dark, cavernous <laughs> restaurant. But, um, on a beautiful day. <laughs> on a beautiful sunny day. Um, did, did you receive the questions that um, Crystal sent over? I did, yes. Cool. There's a couple of questions there at the end that we just like to ask that um, obviously reflect on yourself and um, – yeah. So we might just go through them and then you can get yeah. off and have a nice glass of red wine Great. and a huge stecker. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You can't do white, can you? You can't. can't. Do white, just, white, I, don't, I don't think they should even serve it, to be honest. Uh, you can have beer, though, which is totally yeah, okay. I'll start with that. There you yeah. go. Uh, so, mate, um, I guess for yourself, which personality trait um, – has been most important to you in your professional career, would you suggest? Or, or even just an, an aspect of your personal approach to business? Yeah, so I, I have, not not on purpose, but I have taken a little bit of a, or developed a visionary approach to my management style um, right. in the last few years. And I, and I don't know, I, I don't fully, it, it wasn't on purpose. It it just happened over time. And uh, I think coming back to Australia and um, educating people on what Build to Rent was and um, how how it all worked, it's, it's become more obvious. And uh, so, you know, and, and I'm not trying to sound, um, you know, like I'm, I'm a visionary, but it, it's definitely a visionary style to try and bring people along on the on the journey and help them understand what it is we're trying to achieve. It's right. also allowed me to um, push boundaries and break the rules and, you know, really to deliver better outcomes um, for for what we're trying to do. So if, like I said uh, before, you know, we haven't hired real estate agents because they're going to do what real estate agents do, which is fair enough. Um, that's, yep. that's their job. But, we wanted to we wanted to hire customer service people and um, deliver a better ver, you know a better experience for renting um, another housing option and um, to do that I had to um, push uh, against a lot of people who said that's not how you do it and that ha- that further that that sounds like a challenge to me and that further pushes mm. me towards um, really pushing that so when when I saw and I saw that question, I sort of thought, well, yeah, that's probably the, the best description for most recent. And, you know, right. some of my past ones would be I'm a driver and, you know, a, a pusher and uh, um, a salesperson in, in nature and uh, I love customer service. But but I think the most recent uh, revelation um, to me was visionary and then, you know, someone else will come along and do that. I don't know how long that lasts for, but it's once once you've got the concepts out. I I, I love delivering that that uh, new way of working. Yeah, and that must be, you know, that would have presented with challenges. Coming back from the states, I assume would have presented with challenges because you've got this experience and exposure to things that just are not happening here. Like it's not a case of they're being done differently; they're just not actually happening at all. So you'd have it, to take that approach. 
It, it's it's like what I said about you know opening you know thousands and thousands of apartments in uh, in uh, in the US and opening three hundred and fifteen in one project seems like it's as as difficult as anything I've done. So when mm. I, I I looked, I saw the question around you know what am I most proud of, and it's probably getting one property open here. Because we did have to push everyone, government, investors, mm. um, the, the um, internally, you know, bringing everyone along on the journey who didn't get it. Um, yeah. it it's, it's an amazing uh, experience and I just didn't think it was going to be this hard. Um, but, yeah, right. uh, but I'm also, you know, it, it's also been greatly successful and, and so the, it, it's been a great experience overall. Yeah, nice. And are you reading anything lately or are you listening to anything that you would yeah. recommend? I couldn't um I couldn't come up with just one. So I've I've got a couple here. I I maybe everyone's heard of it, but um there's a great customer service book called The Convenience Revolution um, oh. from the US. And, and, and I, I don't know how, how many people know about it, but a friend uh, recommended it to me. And it's about bringing – it's about the history of um, customer service and how um, technology supports it and how the fundamentals of what experience does with customer service and what value people put on that on that convenience yeah, right. on and um one one of the great examples that just stuck with me was um uh I, I can't remember the name of it but it was like the texas ice company um started years ago when they used to sell a block of ice instead when the pre-refrigerators in uh in texas and they uh, would sell a block of ice and you'd go and pick up your block of ice and then you'd go to the store and buy your eggs and bread and, and uh, milk and all of, all of those uh, staples mm. and then you'd take it home. And the Texas Ice Company or whatever it's called um, thought, you know what, let's make it more convenient and let's add the eggs and bread and milk and, and those things and let's sell them with the block of ice. And so they started doing that. And um, eventually, that just became Seven Eleven. So the Texas Ice Company, or the Texas whatever the company's name was, is now Seven Eleven. And yeah, it's right. about it's that convenience. And you know, I had no idea about that. And I just, you can see the story of they said, "Oh, let's just make it a little bit more convenient," and then more convenient. And next thing you know, they're on every corner, and uh, you can pick up anything. For a for a high price, um, you can pick up anything anytime. <laughs> <laughs> the the other one that I would recommend purely for enjoyment and and also for that um, in inspiration, if you if you're thinking of doing something um, that might go against the grain or that you think will is a great opportunity, but people won't get it, is um, the book about Uber called um, uh, Super Pumped. And it, it is, it's not only interesting and you can learn a bit from it about how the, how they came about, but it's also, um, it's also just a fascinating story about how they um, built the business and almost blew it up, you know, in, in that thing. And, it, and it's a perfect example of, of America and uh, how fast things move. And it's, I've, I've recommended it to some people um, just in the last couple of weeks and they love it. So yeah, right. I, I would highly recommend that. And then um, there's a podcast I've been listening to for a couple of years called Swindled. 
And that's that's really a podcast that I listen to to switch off um, because I used to listen to a lot of the, you know, true crime, murder and mystery type ones and they just started to give me nightmares. So I, um, <laughs> I switched to Swindled, which is more about corruption and politics and, you know, big business and, uh, and, and really interesting stories and it's got a very um, – sarcastic dry sounding commentator talking and right. I've, 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 I would recommend that to anyone who's just interested in something to switch off with yeah right okay nice very good recommendations um when you have 30 minutes of free time and you're not listening to that how do you spend it um i would be so at the moment we've got the nba finals i'm a big yep. basketball fan um I, I'm trying to think right now I would, because I can't um, watch the basketball during work hours, it's too much of a distraction, I can watch the, sh- the short highlights within 30 minutes at the end of the day as long as I don't find out the score. And yeah, right. <laughs> that, that, that to me with a beer is, is what I plan to do for the next hopefully seven games. Yeah, right. Next couple of weeks. So, so what's the score? We might. This will put a time check on this recording, but I think it's one nil currently. Yes, or are they? Correct. Yeah, right. Yep, yep. It's one nil. Lakers. And, uh, the Lakers smashed it. So they yeah. really they they smashed the Miami. So I'm I'm going for Miami myself. Oh. I'm a I'm a Jimmy Butler fan. Yeah, fair enough. Good luck, man. <laughs> um, yeah. The skill or craft you would like to master. Uh, oh, I didn't. Oh, hang on. Let me just see. Ah, so I, well, first of all, I'd, my, my wife is Japanese. Um, I'd love to be able to speak Japanese fluently. Um, I met her while pretending to learn Japanese and, uh, <laughs> um, and now, now I, we have a son and, and she and him, um, talk in Japanese and I don't understand what they're talking about. Um, dangerous. And, Very dangerous. And it's quite often, yeah, there's a lot of giggling and looking at me. Um, uh, the other thing that just came to mind, I would, I, I've always, or I've thought for the last uh, 10 years, I'd love to be able to enjoy and play golf. Um, I, I, it, it seems like the kind of game which I'd love to go and do and it's good yeah. for um, networking and just relaxing and all of those things, but I'm not good at it and I don't enjoy it. <laughs> so, <laughs> right. Something I would like to, you know, so I say I'd like to learn it, but I'd also like to be able to enjoy it. So I assume they'll come hand in hand. I tell you that the the genuine key to liking golf is to take yeah. a six pack of beers with you because that just makes, <laughs> I, honestly yeah. I'm playing golf on on Monday morning for the first time in probably uh, it's got to be like two years I think and I love uh, golf I love playing yeah. golf but I, I, yeah. I actually I, I think I like the social aspect of it more than the actual hitting of the balls because I'm not very good at that but uh, <laughs> it is good to get out and stretch the legs um, finally. Yeah. Um, your place. So um, I'll put a con- little bit of context around that. Our business is named after Hastings Street mm-hmm. in Noosa. That's where the name comes. Right. Um, oh, special, right. special place for me. I got married there and mm. um, um, proposed to my wife there, etc. cetera. Oh, um, that's a great, that's a great um, fact, you know, that, that yeah. has some meaning. Uh, yeah. So, I mean, what, what's your place? And, and, and sorry, that, that comes from, you know, I guess we all go to work 
a lot. We all work a lot of our lives, a huge percentage. Um, it's got to be towards something at the end of the day. So um, if you could align a place within your world to to, to that, um, what would it be? Mm-hmm. I, well, nothing as good as that. Um, yours, <laughs> right. is, yours is much better than it. I, I put, um, a, you know, a, a, a mountain in Japan where I could ski. Um, yeah, right. You, you know, and and hopefully one day own a little uh, a little cabin or something that I could go and ski anytime and drink sake and uh, um, beer and eat sashimi and do all of that. So that that's that's <laughs> I've I've done all that. I just haven't done it on a regular basis. So <laughs> yeah, um, right. that that would that that would be my goal. That's that that would be if I could do that um, at some point if I have enough money then. I would I would have a uh, a winter house in uh, in Japan, which means I'm connected with my family, with my extended family, and I'm yeah. somewhere that I would like to go, and and also bring everyone um, there. If you asked my uh, my wife, it's Hawaii, and that's all. Yeah, that's right. all she so she she wants the house in Hawaii. I want the house in uh, Japan. <laughs> so. Is there any part of her heritage being the Japanese Hawaiian sort of um, um, synergy? There is there any. No, she just loves it. They just, they just, they, it is their, um, I'll compare it, it, it's their barley. Yeah, right. They all go to Hawaii and I think that's just where she did, spent her holidays when she was growing up. So she's always very, and I just, I always say to her, well, you know, Hawaii's expensive. Do we really, <laughs> do we really want it to go to Hawaii? It is expensive. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So I, I, uh, I'm trying to convince her on uh, more economical locations. <laughs> yeah. like, oh, well, like, I mean, Noose is the same. That's where we were holidaying as kids yeah. and that's why. So it is bloody, like the house prices up there during the pandemic have just gone through the fucking roof. Um, oh, yeah. <laughs> well, mate, um, thank you. I really appreciate your time. It was good. I know yeah. we've been, we're trying to get this in the diary for a while, so I appreciate you. Extremely yeah, busy, you. but um, thanks for making thanks the time. Yeah. Great. No, thank you, good. I've I've really enjoyed it, and and uh, finally seeing you in person. I've talked to you, but I haven't actually seen your face. <laughs> Next time we will do it over a or have a chat over a beer and uh, nine nine holes of golf. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, only nine though. <laughs> nine, correct. Too much. Yeah, yeah. Way too much. <laughs> All right, mate. Enjoy your lunch. Right, Thank, you. Thank you. Yeah, enjoy your weekend. Thanks, mate. Bye. Bye. Bye.